This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Covers tucked all the way up to your ears. Toes curled in your thick wool socks. Your mind drifts between lucid awareness and unstructured, random strings of thought. Sleep slowly but surely engulfs you in its embrace. Even the distant sound of a creaky floorboard somewhere in the bowels of the labyrinth you call home doesn't wake you. Hopefully, just this once, your slumber will afford you respite from the grief and pain you felt ever since your husband's death. You begin to dream. You find yourself in a space as dark as the bottom of the ocean. Soon enough, though, your eyes slowly begin adjusting to the world around you. You can make out four walls, and you can hear your own panic breaths echoing through the space. You fumble around, hoping you'll find a light switch, a piece of furniture that can help orient you. Something. You find nothing. Meanwhile, off in the distance, you begin to hear a shuffling noise and someone groaning. So you gather your courage and you call out for help, hoping someone will find you. You should have kept your mouth shut. You hear him before you see him. The agonizing moans of a man damned to live all eternity in limbo pierce through you. You desperately want to wake yourself up and escape what you know is coming. But you can't. Oh God, wake me up, you plead. But you can't wake up. All you can do is prepare yourself for them. The sound of shuffling feet grows closer and you're painfully aware that someone is now in the room with you. Your eyes dart around the room as the footsteps grow louder, closer. You sense someone is right behind you. You spin around and your heart drops. A man stands before you. His eyes have fallen out of their sockets, but it feels like the empty holes in his head are staring right into your soul. One side of his head has sunken in on itself, like he's taken a mallet to the head. He smiles at you. Well, sort of. You suppose the toothless grimace is meant to be a smile. You try not to retch at the maggots falling from under his tongue. He extends his arms, 
and the thing he's holding, wrapped in a soiled blanket, begins to cry. The baby in his arms is skeletal and missing both of its eyes. You hate it and its horrifying shrieks. But then the baby goes silent for just a moment, staring at you blankly before it opens its lipless little mouth and cries. You wake up with a start, bolting upright in your bed. You whip off your covers and spring out of bed, slipping on your night shoes before rushing out of your bedroom and into the narrow hallway. You race through the tight corridors of your mansion, as though you can outrun your demons. For anyone with an untrained eye, navigating through your home in the pitch black of night is foolish and dangerous. But you know the third door on the left goes to nowhere. And you know the brown painted door leads to a two-story drop to the ground below. You know every room like the back of your hand. All 600 of them. After your death, people will tour your home like a museum and spin tales about you being a crazy spiritualist. But you aren't crazy. You know what terrors lie within your home. The Winchester Mystery House. Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to the Winchester Mystery House, one of the most haunted homes in America. The house's owner, Sarah Winchester, built incessantly to keep bad spirits away. But to this day, it's haunted. If you can't get enough haunted places, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory, as well as on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and on Twitter, at Parcast Network. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate a five-star review, wherever you're listening. Your arms outstretched on either side of you. You use the rough, unfinished walls of your home's secret passageway to guide you in the right direction. Without a lantern and completely devoid of sight, you rely on your other senses to guide you toward the exit. As your hands graze the walls, you feel something prick one of your fingers, a warm liquid trickles down your finger. You're bleeding. Before your carpenters could finish this passageway, you asked them to start on constructing a new floor for your grand ballroom, so they never got around to sanding down the redwood in here. The secret passageway is a shortcut that takes you from one end of your home to another. You emerge from the secret hallway and find the entrance of the blue room waiting for you on the other side. 
you quickly rush inside. The turquoise wall paneling instantly relaxes you. This is your safe zone. With only one way to enter the room, but three ways to exit, the blue room is your strongest fortress against the evil spirits that plague you. You lock the door behind you and light a lantern with shaky hands. Using the lantern as a guide, you walk to the large round table in the middle of the otherwise empty room. You drop into a chair and immediately grab the notebook waiting for you in its usual spot. As you wait, a familiar warmth washes over you. And you know you're not alone anymore. Your late husband is here. The real one. Not the horrifying monster who terrorizes you in your nightmares. Every night, you communicate with your husband and a team of benevolent spirits who give you guidance and protection from the evil spirits who haunt you. You close your eyes and wait for direction. It never takes long for you to hear your husband whispering in your ear, offering you guidance on where you should begin building on your house and what new project you should work on to protect yourself from the malevolent spirits that chase you. Yesterday, he told you to begin construction on a new ballroom. Tonight, a seven-story observation tower on your roof. You begin scribbling like a madwoman. You've already constructed 600 extra rooms in your mansion, and surely your construction crew is exhausted. But you cannot stop. Whatever your husband tells you to build, you'll build. Whether he tells you to build a hall of fireplaces to scare off the bad spirits, or a door that leads to a brick wall. You're willing to spend the money to do it. Because if you stop, the vengeful spirits from hell will find you and drag you to your death. Just like they did your husband, stepfather, and daughter. You will build and build until your death, and your home will be your legacy. When it's all said and done, you'll have built a massive Victorian maze with over 600 rooms, 10,000 windows, and 2,000 doors. You will build the Winchester Mystery House. Located in San Jose, California, the Winchester Mystery House, which was once the largest private home in America, is one of the most haunted houses in the world. The story of the Winchester House begins with Sarah Pardee Winchester, the widow of William Winchester, heir to the Winchester rifle fortune. Newly widowed and alone, in 1884, Sarah moved into an eight-room farmhouse and began non-stop construction on the home. Even back then, visitors and local residents claimed to hear voices coming from Sarah's home. Sarah herself believed that she was haunted by the vengeful and malicious spirits of people who died because of the Winchester rifle. 
and that she would only be spared if she continuously built on her home, either as a way to mollify the spirits or to run away from them. After moving into the home in 1884, Sarah employed a crew of 22 carpenters who would rotate in shifts in order to work 24-7 on building more rooms in the Winchester house. Sarah Winchester built and built until her death some 37 years later. The result of Sarah's obsessive building led to a home full of secret passageways, trapdoors, and over 600 total rooms built when it was all said and done. At one point, Sarah's home towered over seven stories. So, how did Sarah come to believe that her house was haunted? The answer to that begins with a series of tragic events early in Sarah's life. Sarah Pardee married William Wint Winchester in 1862. The two likely enjoyed an extravagant wedding, one that only someone like William, heir to the Winchester Repeating Rifle Company, could afford. William's father, Oliver Winchester, owned 50% of the company and helped develop the Winchester Rifle, the gun that reportedly won the West, and was responsible for the slaughter of thousands of Native Americans. The vengeful spirits of the Winchester Repeating Rifles victims wasted no time enacting their revenge on the Winchester newlyweds. With tired, weary eyes, I looked at the calendar hanging on the wall of my daughter's bedroom. It was July 21st of 1866, and this was officially the second week of Annie's incessant crying. It was sometime after midnight, and I remembered the full, bright moon staring back at me, ominously, as I bounced Annie in my arms. Annie had only just come into the world a few weeks before. When she was born, Annie was a beautiful, rosy-cheeked baby who was perfect from the inside out. I wanted to teach her to sew and to horseback ride and to tell her the world was hers, but she would never make it that far. I placed Annie down into her bassinet and wondered where William could be. He was supposed to be back with the doctor an hour ago. I looked down at Annie as her cries tore through me, and I wondered if those piercing screams would eventually drive me mad. I could barely look at my daughter. Her gaunt face made her eyeballs look like they were going to pop out of her head, and I could faintly see her tiny little shoulder bones through her skin. Marasmus, the doctor called it. I sank to the floor. I was heartbroken for Annie, but the exhaustion of dealing with a sick child was too much. I closed my eyes and let Annie cry on and on. Baby Annie died four days later. My daughter never made it past a month old. I never knew I could experience heartache, 
So terrible. William and I decided we would never torture ourselves like that again. And little Annie would be our first and last child. But then, about 20 years later, we suffered another devastating loss. His father, Oliver Winchester, died suddenly, leaving William his share of the Winchester company. Poor William was forced to step into his father's shoes immediately. He never really had time to mourn the loss of his father. To be honest, I think that's what killed him. My William died only a few months after his father. The doctor said he'd contracted tuberculosis, but I know he died from the stress of his inheritance. The servants found me lying on the bathroom floor after I learned William died. I'd been there for hours, hoping that the ground would open and take me with him. After William's death, the $20 million Winchester inheritance went to me. I also received 50% of the Winchester company, but I had no desire to own that. What's money when everyone around you has died? All I wanted was happiness, but it seemed that something sinister didn't want me to have that. It was like God was playing a cruel joke on me. Then, I started hearing voices. Voices that whispered my name. At first I thought it was the servants playing tricks on me. But no. I remember a day where the house was empty and the air outside was still. The deafening silence nearly drove me mad. I was lying in bed staring at the wall, as I did all day, every day after William's death, when I heard it. Something said, Sarah. I darted up. I looked around. Nothing. I called out to my chambermaid, Annalise, but of course she was gone. But then, the voice whispered again, this time angrily, as if it was offended I didn't know who was calling out to me. I slammed my head under my pillow, hoping it was just my sleep exhaustion. And then, I willed myself back to sleep. It became an everyday occurrence. Whispers from somewhere in the distance rang through my head and left me shaking underneath my covers. I knew they were coming from something not of this world, and I knew they had something to do with the death of my family. Were they trying to warn me? To frighten me? I desperately wanted to find out what or who was trying to contact me and hopefully discover why it felt as though my family was haunted. I decided to reach out to a medium. I jumped up from my seat in the parlor, nervously adjusting my dress. Adam Coons, a famous medium from Boston, had arrived. 
And even though I did my best to cover up the dark circles under my eyes, I could tell he was wary of me when I opened the door. What can I do to help you? He asked me. I tried to keep my voice steady and answered. I think I may be haunted or possessed, or maybe someone has put a curse on me. I did my best to explain my situation in the most even and dignified way possible, so Coons didn't think I was some kind of a lunatic. I feel this dark presence looming over me, I explained. I felt it after Annie died, then Oliver, and since William died, it hasn't left my side. To be quite frank, I believe that I am cursed. Coons raised an eyebrow at that, but he allowed me to continue to ramble. So perhaps speaking with William and hearing him tell me it'll be all right will help me settle down. I trailed off. Coons assured me that he could help, so I led him into my parlor. You're going to die. I looked up and saw Coons with his head bowed to the other side of my circular table. He was looking at me, but through me, like someone else had taken over his body. I paused, taken aback. Surely William wasn't threatening me from beyond the grave. Pardon? I asked Coons. He blinked and looked back at me. You're going to die, just like Annie and William. They've found you, and you are next. What do you mean? I asked, trying to hide the fear in my voice. I looked back across the table and found only the whites of Coon's eyes looking back at me. His head rolled unnaturally as the rain pattered on the window behind him. We're coming for you. Several voices spoke through Kuhn's mouth at once. The voices of men, women, children. Who... Who are you? I whispered, terrified. Kuhn's paused and then groaned back at me. We are the thousands of victims who've been massacred by the Winchester rifle. When we come to you, you'll see the horrors of your family name. You'll see the brains spilling from our heads, our hearts still pumping blood through the holes in our chests and our missing eyes, limbs, and jaws. Your hands are bloody from the murderous Winchester rifle fortune. You and your family are cursed by the spirits of those slain by the Winchester rifle. And now, we are coming for you. Suddenly, Coon's head hit the table and then shot back up, his wide pupils landing on me in shock. He was panting and sweat dripped from his forehead. When Kuhn spoke, it was in his true voice. 
There's only one way to save yourself from these unforgiving spirits, Sarah. Coons warned me. First, you must sell your home and move out west. Once you moved into a home, you must keep building and building and building on that home for the rest of your life. Tears welled in my eyes as he continued. All hope is not lost. You will be guided by protective spirits, led by your husband, who will instruct you on what you need to build to help confuse the evil spirits that follow you. However, if you stop building, the vengeful spirits of the dead will find you and kill you. This is your fate for the rest of your life. It all made sense. The shadows that I would occasionally see dart out of my eyeline. The whispers. Oliver. Annie. William. Shocked and horrified, all I could do was let out a loud sob. While Coons watched me wearily from the other side of the table. My destiny was sealed. So I ran. As the popular story goes, Coon's warning prompted Sarah to move out to what is now San Jose, California in 1884. Sarah purchased an eight-room farmhouse and immediately began construction on the Winchester Mystery House. Backed with a $20 million fortune, which by today's standards is equivalent to over $500 million. It's estimated that nearly 500 to 600 rooms may have been built over the 38 years before Sarah's death. Although only 161 rooms remain due to the destruction of several floors during earthquakes in 1906 and 1989. As the years went on, Sarah became more and more reclusive, barely making any public appearances. Sarah held nightly seances, sometimes inviting in mediums in order to communicate with her husband and other good spirits who advised her on what she should build next. Every morning, Sarah presented new blueprints to her carpenters, often instructing them to abandon their current projects to work on a new one. This explains why a handful of rooms in the Winchester house are left unfinished to this day. From stairs that lead to nowhere, doors that open to a freefall of deadly heights, multiple basement levels, Tiffany windows that weren't even installed, to secret passageways and trap doors, the mystery house will have you scratching your head and asking, why? And more importantly, was Sarah truly haunted? Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now, let's continue our story. Years and years of building would lead to Sarah creating a behemoth home. At one point, the Winchester house stood seven stories tall, making it the tallest residential property in the country. The Winchester house is a testament of Victorian aesthetic, inspiring the look of famous attractions, such as the haunted mansion. It's not just the puzzling oddities inside of the house that make it truly compelling. Sarah's home was technologically advanced for her time, with three elevators, indoor plumbing, and an intercom system that allowed her to communicate with her servants from different parts of her expansive home. There's only one instance where Sarah stopped all construction on her home after tragedy befell the Winchester house. The year was 1906. At 5.12 a.m. on a Wednesday, the big one hit San Francisco. The infamous San Andreas Fault slipped, and with it came a 7.8 magnitude earthquake that caused havoc and devastation, not only in San Francisco, but in outlying cities such as San Jose. Sarah Winchester slept in a different bedroom every night. It was just another safety precaution in her campaign to confuse the spirits that haunted her. The night of the 1906 earthquake, Sarah was asleep in one of her favorite bedrooms, the Daisy Room, named after the flowers incorporated into the stained glass windows of the room. Violently shaken awake, Sarah's first thought was that the evil spirits she'd spent her life running from had found her and had come to drag her to the fire and brimstone of hell. Her eyes adjusted, and she saw the walls of her bedroom swaying like they were made of flimsy tissue paper and her bedroom floors undulating up and down like a trampoline. She called out for help, but no one could hear her over the deafening roar of the world around her. They've come for me, she thought, and this is how they will kill me. With nothing else she could do to save herself, Sarah laid back on her bed, accepting that when she died, she would at least be reconnected with her family. She was not dead, but Sarah couldn't move or breathe. Her eyes burned, and her lungs felt like they'd been filled with five pounds of rubble. She was trapped, and the weight of her redwood ceiling that had fallen in on her chest felt so heavy that Sarah could feel the snap of her ribs cracking under the pressure. Somewhere in the distance, Sarah could hear her servants' muffled voices calling out to her, but she couldn't see them beyond the rubble and the dust. 
Her world went spotty as her shoulder blades cracked under the heavy wooden beam. She uttered out William's name before passing out from the pain. Sarah's team of live-in servants dug Sarah out from underneath her collapsed ceiling. Sarah, convinced that the earthquake was a sign from the evil spirits, that they did not want her building in that area of the house, left a good portion of the house unfinished. This earthquake is the primary reason the house we're left with today is only a fraction of the size it once was. While she did restore the damaged portion of her home after the earthquake, the Winchester house stood at a mere four stories and it was left with many unfinished projects. But Sarah wasn't the only one whom the spirits seemed to be communicating with. Even before Sarah's death in 1922, her support staff and construction crew reported hearing strange noises coming from the house. They heard whispers when no one was around, or mysterious organ music echoing down the hallways. In more recent years, guests of the Winchester Mystery House have reported cold spots, floating orbs, the touch of invisible hands, whispering, and even apparitions of Sarah Winchester herself. Some rooms are closed to the public because they're too dangerous for visitors to go through, with unfinished floors and partially completed construction making them impossible and unsafe to explore. Don't worry about missing out, though. The house's current owners claim the spirits favor the quiet, dim rooms that you can see on the tour. While very few were invited inside of her home during her lifetime, the tours that are hosted there now give insight to a truly odd and superstitious woman. It's Halloween weekend, 2017. And to escape the monotony of the same yearly Halloween costume contests and dated haunted houses that haven't scared anyone since 1965, your friend convinces you to come with her to a real haunted house. You roll your eyes when she invites you, not really interested in a boring historical tour of some old mansion, but her enthusiasm convinces you to tag along to the flashlight tour of the Winchester Mystery House. Especially since, according to your friend, people actually see ghosts. <laughs> yeah, right. So here you are, standing at the overwhelmingly tall and imposing doorstep of the Winchester House in the chilly autumn air. You take note of the garish yellow exterior, which clashes with the salmon pink roof. Ugh. Well, the house has personality, all right. Finally, an ancient tour guide opens up the front door and greets you all. Welcome to the Winchester Mystery House. I'm glad you folks made the drive okay. I'm your tour guide, Arthur. Please stay close to me and feel free to ask any questions. You hesitate, 
tired from the drive and a little annoyed that you have to spend part of your Halloween weekend looking at some house. Although you do admit, the powerful silhouette of the house's pointed structure and sprawling landscape is pretty striking against the moonlight. You didn't think you'd be a fan of the flashlight tour, but maybe. Well, you'll see. Maybe you should be a little intimidated, but the cheerful Winchester Mystery House sign outside makes the whole thing seem like a cheap Vegas attraction. Lights on, please. The tour guide motions to your group's flashlights. As you enter the dark foyer of the house, the temperature in the room feels colder than the already crisp autumn air outside, and the light wind makes the entire house shift. Maybe it's all that talk about the owner of the house speaking and summoning ghosts, but you feel like you see something dart away in the corner of your eye. No, it must just be your mind playing with you. You try and listen as the tour guide continues, ignoring the chills running down your spine as you ascend a flight of wooden stairs. You look up and see a small set of stairs go straight into the ceiling. No door, no attic, just stairs into the ceiling. The tour guide allows you all to take your turn on what he calls the stairs to nowhere. Now, you will all be seeing 100 of 161 rooms in this mansion. Currently, we're on one of about 46 staircases in the home. We had a TV show come through here last year, and they caught a glowing green hand on camera, floating right there. He points to the exact spot where you're standing. After following the somber group down a suffocatingly narrow hallway, the tour guide brings you to a stop, pointing at you to open up a door. Your friend nudges you, and you step forward, trying to ignore the demonic shadows on the walls. You curl your hand around a strangely cold doorknob and pull the door open to see. An eight-foot drop to a patch of dirt awaits you on the other side. Of course, the bottom of the door has been boarded up for safety, but it takes your breath away to imagine some unsuspecting house guest plummeting to their death. <laughs> the tour guide chuckles. Legend has it that Miss Winchester built traps like this to confuse the spirits that haunted her. Makes you wonder how dumb ghosts must be if that's enough to confuse them. As you follow the group to the next stop, the hairs on the back of your neck stand at attention. Someone's whispering at you. Who? You turn to your friend. They give you a look. I didn't say anything. The whispering grows louder and draws your attention to a roped-off staircase. A sign reads, Fourth Floor Restricted. But who's up there? And why can't anyone else hear them? The tour guide notices that you've stopped and frowns at you. The fourth floor is off limits, 
he tells you sternly. Your friend comes to your side and ushers you back to the group. Slightly embarrassed you got called out, but you're not crazy. Someone is whispering. You try to ignore the whispers and follow the group into what the tour guide says is Sarah's main bedroom. Ms. Winchester didn't often sleep in the same place, but this bedroom is where she died. One of her favorite bedrooms. And with the fireplace and great view of the garden, I'm sure you understand why. She died right in that bed. You try to focus, but the whispering in your head grows louder and more urgent, like someone's begging for their life. That's it. You can't take it anymore. Whoever's messing with your head needs to shut up. You slip out of the room while everyone's attention is focused elsewhere. The bedroom should only be a hallway down from the roped-off fourth floor area. You turn a corner. Hmm. Instead of the staircase leading to the fourth floor, you find a dead end. Bewildered, you try to turn back. But between the spiraling hallways and trapped doors, you can't even find your way back to the bedroom where your tour group is. Panicking, you sprint down the hall. You stop dead in your tracks. You somehow ended up in a narrow hallway, barely big enough for two people to fit in. You decide to turn back before you get claustrophobic. But right as you turn to leave, you see her. Standing at a little over four feet, with the lips pressed into a straight line, and pupilless white eyes glowing back at you, Sarah Winchester doesn't appear too happy to see you. You're frozen, and your heart races out of your chest when suddenly a voice echoes through your head. Get out! When Sarah's ghost begins stalking towards you, moving incredibly fast for such a small woman, the air around you grows cold, and you feel the oxygen being sucked out of your lungs. The walls close like they're going to crush you. You open your mouth to scream, but nothing comes out. It's only when Sarah reaches out to touch you, now only a couple of feet away, that it clicks in your brain. Run! You bolt, trying to ignore the whispers that have resumed in your head. Against your own instincts, you turn and look behind you. You see Sarah behind you, following you at a steady pace, angry. Is this punishment for wandering around her home? You tug at a door, praying that it will lead you somewhere safe, but it's locked. You try another, and then another, all locked. You know she's getting close. God, she's right behind you. Quickly, you try another door. Thank God it's unlocked. Without even thinking, you swing the door open and step inside, relieved to be getting away from You fall 15 feet into the kitchen, landing right on your back. You struggle to stay conscious, 
as you feel a warm liquid pooling around your head. Your eyes flit to your side and you see blood slowly oozing along the floor. Somewhere in the distance, you can hear rushed footsteps and a familiar voice calling out your name. But you can't move. The world goes fuzzy. But right before you go under, you manage to look up at the trapdoor you fell from. Maybe you're crazy, but the last image you see is Sarah Winchester staring down at you, smiling. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now, our story continues. Sarah Winchester didn't live alone in the Winchester house. Sarah's devoted secretary, servants, foremen, and workers also lived in the house with Sarah. In fact, some of the names of the home's servants and construction crew can be seen written behind the wallpaper in the house to this day. But with such a devoted team, it's no surprise that a few of Sarah's staff stayed inside the house even after death. The current Winchester House historian, Janin Bomi, often speaks of Clyde, a full-body apparition that guests commonly see in the basement of the house, pushing a wheelbarrow. So if you happen to run into a dark-haired man wearing overalls in the basement of the Winchester House, give him a wave. I'm sure Clyde gets lonely down there. But not all of the Winchester House ghosts are as friendly as Clyde. Our next ghost story sighting involves a restoration worker whose personal space was invaded by the Winchester ghosts. Peter, a restoration worker who was tasked with doing repairs on the mansion's Hall of Fires, an eerily named hallway in the Winchester home lined with fireplaces. Peter began to climb a ladder to start his work. And then he felt it. Someone tapped on Peter's shoulder. He quickly turned around, but no one was there. He shrugged it off. We've all experienced phantom nudges or taps before. This was probably one of them. So he turned around and continued working on his daily task. Minutes rolled by, nothing happened, and Peter began getting into the groove of things again, when Peter lurched forward like he was being pushed by something. He felt the ladder teeter dangerously on one leg. Aware of the evil spirits who frequent the Winchester house, Peter didn't stick around to see what this malevolent spirit would do to him. Hurrying down his ladder, Peter abandoned his post that day to work somewhere else in the house. You see, Peter understood that the supernatural had its own rules. It was clear to Peter that someone didn't want him in the Hall of Fires, and he wasn't going to wait around to find out why. 
But while some aren't able to see full-body apparitions or feel shoves by supernatural entities, it's common for guests to run into haunting experiences in the Winchester house, in some shape or form. Nearing the end of their 55-minute tour of the Winchester house, Catherine and John follow their tour group to their last stop, the Winchester house's blue room, or the seance room. The tour guide gives his spiel, what this room meant to Sarah, how she communicated with ghosts, and yada, 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 and then pauses to answer questions. Catherine waits until the tour guide becomes distracted with guests' questions before easing her way away from the huddle, giving a knowing look at John. While the tour guide is distracted, she turns, pulls out her digital camera, and begins discreetly snapping photos of the room. The Winchester house has a strict no-photo policy, but she and John have a great system to get around that. As Catherine quickly glances down at her camera, which she's holding at stomach level for optimal discreetness, she jerks. Her body suddenly goes cold. Her muscles tighten, and an overwhelming feeling of doom overtakes her. John looks back and notices Catherine shivering in place. He breaks away from the group and wraps his coat around Catherine. Cold? He asks. Aren't you? She asks him incredulously. It's freezing in here. John frowns. Given the number of people crammed into the small space, the room is uncomfortably warm. Maybe you're coming down with something, he suggests. Shaking with cold, Catherine grabs John's hand for warmth. Her fingers are like ice. John grows worried. What's wrong with his wife? The tour guide announces that they're heading out and concluding the tour. John walks Catherine out of the room, and Catherine notices immediately how much better she feels. Embarrassed about the episode she just had, Catherine tries to shrug it off and forget about the experience. Until later that night. Back at the cheap two-star hotel the two rented for the trip, Catherine and John huddle over their digital camera, excited to go over their photos from the Winchester house. As the two swipe through the final photos, Catherine begins feeling the familiar icy cold creeping up her toes and into her chest. Stop. She grabs John's hand. He's about to swipe past a seemingly innocent photo of the seance room. Catherine points to the photo, and John's eyebrows shoot up. Captured in the photo is a perfectly round, translucent, floating orb. It's not a speck on the camera lens. It's not a flare from the light. It's an eerie, floating orb. <gasps> Catherine and John quickly flick through their photos, realizing that the same orb can be seen in all the home's most active rooms. The seance room, the bedroom where Sarah died, the basement. The two look at each other excitedly. Both veteran ghost hunters, they know that this is an indicator of a supernatural presence. 
But while John smiles, happy they've got something good for the blog they're starting, Catherine frowns. She wonders if the orb is a manifestation of something sinister. Maybe the house isn't just haunted. Maybe it's cursed. Who knows what you'll encounter if you ever find yourself at the Winchester Mystery House. Maybe you'll hear whispers coming from the restricted fourth floor. Or maybe you'll fall through a trap door to your death. Or perhaps you'll trip over the open panels of stained glass left over from Sarah's time. Either way, there seem to be many ways to experience the supernatural of what Time Magazine has called one of the most haunted houses in America. At the time of her death, Sarah Winchester had been infamous in America for years. In 1912, 10 years before her death, the New York Times sent out a special article claiming that Sarah was lying at the point of her death and had been suffering from severe mental problems ever since the 1906 earthquake. The point about her suffering from severe mental problems has been contested by many historians, who often claim that the story of Sarah has been conflated with ghost stories and folklore since she kept such a private life. In her 2010 book, Captive of the Labyrinth, Mary Jo Ignafo muses that Sarah's life has been used as a scapegoat and that her story has been completely twisted to fit the narrative of American culture. She states that, towards the end of the 19th century, America had only then began to acknowledge the brutality of its treatment towards Native Americans, and with the Winchester repeating rifle being the rifle that won the West, it makes sense that they would look towards the weapons of mass homicide used against them to spin stories. Sarah and the Winchester family are an important part of this narrative. So whether you believe Sarah Winchester was truly haunted by victims of the Winchester rifle or haunted by her own grief, there's only one way to get a glimpse at what went on inside Sarah's head. Maybe the safest bet is for you to head over to San Jose and experience the Winchester Mystery House for yourself. Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. Don't forget to subscribe to Haunted Places on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. We'll see you next time. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. 
Haunted Places is written by Vanessa Benton. I'm Greg Polson.